Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the show where we're watching the movies that you tell us to. We are back. I am John, your host. With me, as always, my co-host Jeff. Hey there. This time around, we are doing that absolute amazing buddy cop film, Tango and Cash. Where has this been all my life? I... I... I feel like it's weird that we were requested to watch this because I feel like everybody I know ever has seen it, but also I hadn't seen it, so it's a perfect choice. Yeah, no, I had never seen it, and the thing is, I feel like in my mind, I had a different idea of what this movie was. Oh, you want to hear a a sad realization? This is a couple years old now, but about two years ago, I realized that Tango and Cash and Turner and Hooch are different movies when I watched Turner and Hooch for the first time. I feel like I have that same thing, except it's Starsky and Hutch. (laughs) That's not even a movie. Or wait, did it eventually become one? I can't remember. It it is a movie. I thought it was like a long-running TV show. Okay, I guess that shows what I know. (laughs) Uh, We're so good at knowing buddy cop things. I don't much care for buddy cop stuff. It's not my specific jam. Anyway, it uh, it was a TV series. It became a movie. Uh, I want to say, what was that, Ben Stiller? Yeah, I was going to say that there is a movie, but it's like Ben Stiller and some other guy. I want to say maybe a Wilson? One of them Wilsons? Like a, like a Luke or an Owen type Wilson? Wilson! <laughs> it might have been Wilson, you know acting the entire thing out from behind his fence in uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor's backyard. It might have been, because I'm not going to watch it unless you force us to. I feel like that's the kind of movie where you get, who was that who starred in that, David Soul, to show up in the last five seconds of the the movie on like a motorcycle or something, just like how a Chips movie would do. Yeah. Uh, So Tango and Cash is 1989, and it is a, one of those like buddy cop films but more in the sense that they're antagonistic so you have that whole idea of like oh it's the by the book and then the crazy loose cannon uh Mm -hmm. but man they're both crazy loose cannons (laughs) i was gonna say i feel like this is late enough because it's 89 and the feel of this movie without even getting into any spoilers for it This almost feels like it's on the cusp of being a parody. Yes, it very much does feel like a parody. Everybody in it is doing the most of themselves that they can. It just, all of the different things in it is like, oh, we know exactly what every trope is, and we Mm -hmm. are going to hit them as hard as possible. I don't know which one came first between this and Batman 89, but... uh, it really feels like Palance was just, because Palance is the bad guy in this, he's doing the exact same thing where he's got that that imposing creep breath. It's, if you're used to having the, you're my number one a guy kind of shit, he's just doing that all the way through this in the exact same way, which suggested to me that either he always does that, or this is kind of a send-up. Yeah, I mean, I the Lethal Weapon movie came out two years before this, mm-hmm. and I almost want to say that this is straight up a response to that because (laughs) it really does feel like someone was making a parody but then they didn't tell anyone else so it's like everyone was trying to play this as straight as possible but the movie itself is a parody right this is breaking my mind by the way i thought that with few exceptions sylvester stallone wrote every movie he was in but in this one he's not the writer no 
So that's that takes that lets, lends itself more to the idea that this is sort of a parody or at least sort of a genre parody. Because I wouldn't have thought he would be willing to write himself into a parody character. Although, hmm. then again, he made, like, fucking Rhinestone and shit, so what do I know? Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into it in a bit, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say, if you are already a fan of the type of, like, super over-the-top action film, buddy cop, explosions, and, you know, we gotta clear our name type movies, this is so good as both an example of that and a send-up of it at the same time, I can't imagine not liking it if you were already into it. Yeah, and if you already are into that, then there's no way you haven't seen this. This is like your template film. <laughs> it, it, so, I don't know, it's, uh, it's very fast. Also, I gotta say, the thing about this movie that amazed me was how much of a formulaic uh, writing it is, where it's straight. It's uh, every single line is set up punchline. Every single line that our main characters have. Oh, it's true. They, they are Statler and Waldorfing at each other as hard as they can. No, there is no wasted space in this. Every single line that our two main characters have are either a setup or a punchline. There is nothing else. Yeah, it's uh, it's an impressive commitment to having every character never not be quipping. Oh yeah. Oh. You know what? Let's let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to do our full spoiler in-depth review. Um play a little music and then we will be right back with everything you need to know about Tango and Cash. He had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. If you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, I bet you you would have done the same. We're back, and it is time to talk about Tango and Cash. Reunited, and it feels so good. (laughs) Well, I mean, we Uh, did miss like a pair of episodes in there. A pair of episodes? We did. Remember, we did. Well, okay. Maybe not a pair of movie mastery episodes. Maybe I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit here, John. Did you know that you and I, the John who and Jeff who record Movie Mastery, are the same John and Jeff that record Expounded Universe? I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, this is just a little industry insider secret, folks. We're the same two guys. <laughs> and we missed a couple episodes. So it's good to be back. Oh, man. This uh This movie though. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the tale of the two best cops in San Francisco. I think it's supposed to be Los Angeles. Los Angeles cuz oh, all right, fair yes. enough. There's a point where they say a line where they lost them down around Victorville, and I was like, all right, where's Victorville south of? And But yeah, you know what? It's also south of L.A., isn't it? Well, it's uh, north of L.A. Oh, well, then maybe but I'm it right. It was when they were on their way to prison. Ah, okay. Um, which, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the two best cops in all of Los Angeles. They can do anything except accept help from any other cops. Yeah, both of them are, they work alone, and they're two different districts, so it's not like they're directly competing with each other. They only know about each other because they're both, like, hero cops. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice. They pretty much say that uh, Ray Tango, otherwise known as Sylvester Stallone, takes East L.A., while Kurt Russell's character, Gabriel uh, Cash is the best cop in West Los Angeles. 
Oh, yeah. They split the whole city (laughs) in half like it's Berlin. But it's interesting because there's not really a lot of sense that that means anything. Like, I was expecting, okay, if Kurt Russell works West Los Angeles, that means he's working, like, West Hollywood and shit like that. Uh, But no, it's just, they they all just fight dirt bags on roads and in parking garages. It's just that. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the main joke with the names is, there's a rich one and a poor one, but the poor one's name is Cash. <laughs> Can we talk? I mean, it starts on on uh, Gabriel or, or on Ray Tango anyway, and his driving around in a uh, a non cop car, chasing down a uh, a tanker truck full of cocaine. <laughs> Just chasing down a tanker truck full of Robert Zadar. <laughs> Robert Zadar. Uh, the, well, you know, you might as well say that before we say anything else. If you like 80s character actors, this movie has every single good one. It is packed to the gills. Like, you start the movie and you're like, oh shit, it's it's Robert Zadar. Mm-hmm. Neat. And then literally every scene introduces another character actor. You're like, what is going on here? At the end of the movie, they threw up the casting by and i was like my dude you have done your job yeah this was a movie that was made specifically to give every character actor a paycheck yeah i mean when you see the car that has the bad guys in it and it's jack palance dressing down james hong and mark alimo otherwise known as ds9 zone gold ducat and you're just like fuck that's such an important car i want to be in that car (laughs) so bad the whole thing is amazing like (laughs) everything in this movie just oh i know who that is yeah i know who that is the whole time that is little minor characters who have like two lines you're like oh shit that's broadway's own michael jeter (laughs) it's amazing i know who that is oh this movie's got heavy business (laughs) this movie has a sprinkling of heavy business oh it's so exciting but anyway uh to get back to the two points that i was trying to get to earlier let's sylvester stallone is chasing down a uh, a tanker truck on a freeway he is refusing any help from any other cops because it's his bust god damn it oh yeah even like i can almost understand when he's like oh we're outside our jurisdiction and they're sending in like the highway patrol and the sheriff's office from wherever they are because they're clearly outside of la in i want to say some sort of deserty road that's gonna be like either the grapevine going up or going out to like Coachella or something. And I can almost understand the action movie logic of like, oh no, this is my bust. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get the local police involved. But there's a helicopter from Tango's own like precinct, I guess, following, and he's like, fuck you, helicopter, get out of here. You stay back. This is my bust. <laughs> And how does he do the bust? Why, he he pulls around the truck, gets out of his car, pulls a tiny little pistol out, and just starts shooting at them while, like, stand, to the point where Robert Zadar, the driver of the truck, is like, this guy's crazy! I just, there's a point when he gets out where he gets his tiny-ass revolver out, mm-hmm. dumps the bullets out of it, and then puts new bullets yeah, in Yeah, I'm there. still very curious as to what that was. Were those supposed to be spent casings, or what are we doing here? I, honestly, what I thought he was doing was like, oh, I'm going to dump all the bullets out but one, because I only need one bullet. <laughs> but then he dumped all of them out and then just put in new bullets, and I'm like, what are you, what, are those better bullets? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there were special important bullets so the other ones were regular. Maybe the other bullets weren't even bullets. He just doesn't like to leave his gun empty. So he had like some bullets. He just had like mints in there. (laughs) 
But yeah, he's shooting at the truck. He never does hit Robert Sadar, but he's just very uh, calmly in the path of the truck shooting at it. And then eventually Robert Sadar, uh, his character's name is Face, which is very inappropriate. It, it, like, not the best, by the way, for, for <laughs> a guy with Robert Sadar's catcher's mitt of a face. Um, but he just goes, that guy's crazy and slams on the brakes so bad that he flings himself through the windshield of the truck. Yeah, I think the last shot that Stallone fires is either at the tire or the engine or something. Mm -hmm. So it's like both the brakes and the fact that he has fucked up the truck somehow. But I was like, all right, neither of you are wearing seatbelts. That's very weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, it's it's a bust. The, the local sheriff's office is dressing him down. Blah, and eventually what they what they learn is um, that there's there's coke hidden in the truck. So he's like, hey, I'm a hero again. huh? And then he goes back to his office where uh, there's a woman hold, there. Hold on. No, please, please go ahead. Hold on. Yeah. First, of course, they have to dress him down because they only find gasoline and then. Oh, he just the shoots the truck. Hit. Yeah. <laughs> he just shoots the truck where he assumes cocaine is. Yeah. And it comes pouring out. But also, there is the important line of, who does this guy think he is? He thinks he's Rambo. <laughs> right. And we get Stallone saying, Rambo's a pussy. Yeah, let me tell you something. Rambo's a fucking pussy. He's just like, ah, oh, come on, man. You don't need to do that for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie didn't deserve that. Rambo's your moneymaker, buddy. You're still making them. Ugh. Ain't no one making Tango and Cash 2. The <laughs> I mean, I can definitely see someone remaking Tango and Cash. Don't don't get me wrong there. No, that's fair. That is very fair. Uh, but anyway, in his office, there's Terry Hatcher is there, and we're not supposed to be sure of what their relationship is. That's a big setup all the way through. Uh, oh yeah, but well, I mean, it wants you to think they're together. That Terry Hatcher is his girlfriend because the entire scene is like, oh, why why are you leaving? Why why you gotta go and not tell me where you're going? Oh. Oh, I worry about you, honey. Oh, at least leave me a phone number where I can reach you. And she's like, no. And then she blows him a kiss. So we're supposed to be like, he's getting dumped again, but he doesn't have time for it because he's too busy with stock market uh, stuff. Because here's the thing. He is only a cop because he likes to murder people and bust bad guys. He is also a rich stockbroker and he dresses like one. Oh, yeah. He has the whole thing with him is. Oh, he's super wealthy. He dresses well. He's got, you know, nice car, nice house. He is only doing this not as a job, but just because he literally says to, like, his police captain or whatever, oh, I'm just doing this for the action. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just bored. So what I got to say here is this didn't really work on me. I was worried that Terry Hatcher was going to be his, like, daughter uh, or, or something, because ultimately it's a pretty... Anyway, you slice it, it's a pretty misogynistic old scene of him being like, hey, you shouldn't leave town. It's only safe in the town I'm safe in. Um, but the thing is, and I, I think this resonates throughout the movie, and maybe you can call me crazy or not. It resonates gay all the way through this. Okay. You didn't pick, am I, am I alone on that? I don't know. I didn't really pick anything up on that, but sure. No, to me, he is very clearly a very confident murderous gay cop and i was i, I was excited <laughs> about that i, I mean he, he he's wealthy he dresses well every time someone makes fun of him with a gay slur and let me tell you that happens a lot of this movie it's never really slurs it's always just like uh hey what are we married now or hey i'm looking at your dick guy or hey kiss my ass or suck my dick private or whatever to him and he's always just like uh are you making a proposal i prefer blondes 
Maybe we can set up a date for later. But it's always deadpan responses. And to me, I was like, wait, this guy's no nonsense gay, isn't he? That's fucking awesome. <laughs> there's Sure, there, I'm fine with yeah, that reading, there's, honestly. There's never a point where he gets mad or fires back. He always responds with a generic sarcastic rebuttal, just like, oh, okay, I guess we're, are you asking if you want to marry me? Is this it, as close as he gets? Uh, so uh, Yeah, I was actually going to say, honestly, the fact that this movie doesn't have a lot of, like, super homophobic stuff, mm-hmm. and there is a point where Kurt Russell's cash cross-dresses, and we don't get a lot of trans panic in it, I was like, good job, movie. You didn't do it. No, that's true. There is there is a scene where he cross-dresses, he, uh, and, you know, they they do the standard panning up to show a... Oh, a big pair of legs and then an even bigger woman. And oh, my God, it's Kurt Russell. And of course, some dope cop is immediately like a hubba hubba. You know, that's that's the trans panic we get is that the cop who's like, oh, I'm specifically into big muscly women. Oh, yeah. Well, he's just like, what are you, some kind of yoga instructor? <laughs> and then when uh, the other character is helping him escape the situation, you know, uh, Terry Hatcher again's like, hey, stay away from my property. The cop's just like. Oh, are you guys into a three-way, maybe? What do you say? Huh? Yeah, no, there's no point where he's like, you're one ugly broad. Yeah, and there's... Or a point where someone like, that chick's got a penis. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and also, uh, another thing I appreciated was that when when uh, Terry Hatcher's like, hey, that's my girlfriend, leave her alone, there's not like, oh, I see, a couple of dykes. We, like, we don't get that shit. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Fine. Everything is medium level. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, we established that he's the rich cop. It's not really crazy cop, sane cop. It's rich cop, poor cop. Yeah, because when we go see Kurt Russell's cash, he is just like he lives in a rundown apartment building. Uh, You know, he dresses like a slob and he's got, you know, like trash all over the place. Now, to be fair, he's poor. He's movie poor. Because, yeah, he's, yes. he's, he does complain that he's like, my shirt costs $9, but he carries a pistol that has, like, another pistol strapped to the top of it, and he drives a 69 Corvette. I mean, the great thing about his gun is that it's like a laser sight on yeah. top of there, and it is the size of the gun. Oh, no, yeah, it's it's like it's the late 80s. Laser sights weren't really that big of a thing yet. Uh, he, it's, he's got a Ruger, and it... <laughs> It looks ridiculous. It looks like there's nowhere he could possibly holster it, because, yeah, it's got like a whole extra gun up top. Oh, yeah, it's just double gun, and I'm like, how do you even aim with that thing on there? Jesus! Well, I mean, it is a laser pointer, so I, it, it, there's that. <laughs> uh. And he is getting in a fight with some Chinese assassin guy in a parking lot, and it's just a straight oh, yeah. up... Well, I, I like that that first scene where they go in and of course they also got to try and make it so that Kurt Russell being the poor one is the out of shape one, which doesn't really work because he's Kurt Russell. Yeah. They make these like occasional cracks about his beer belly or whatever. You're like, fuck you, buddy. That's Kurt Russell. Oh yeah. Cause they're like, oh yeah. Fucking tango. Oh, he hits the gym all the time. Look at that muscle head. Not like me, Kurt Russell. (laughs) You're like, what? No, (laughs) Because yeah. the whole scene starts with him in front of the mirror, like, trying to suck his gut in before the assassin, like, shoots through the glass in his uh, closet door. Yeah. 
but uh but we... it is it's one of those things in the movie where i'm like all right sure guys whatever you do i'll what buy you gotta. into your dumb nonsense yeah <laughs> so he gets into a, a ridiculous vehicular destruction fight with this assassin guy oh yeah and of course he has to commandeer a vehicle but it's it's 1989 and it was from a russian so it's okay yeah the russian's just like hey you mean guy that's a horrible that accident. was my car hey my car perestroika <laughs> welcome to america bud yeah everything's a joke uh I, the line the, the scene when he gets back to the office and he's just like they shot me through my shirt this was a nine dollar shirt and then he sees a pizza and he yells pizza and runs over to steal some i was like shit this guy's a ninja turtle <laughs> i mean you're not wrong yeah it's 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 a gay murderer and ninja turtle the movie and i'm way into it <laughs> uh and we also have our uh main villains mm-hmm. that as was mentioned uh jack palance and uh gul ducat and, and, <laughs> and james hong oh man and that is great <laughs> it is amazing because Jack Palance is just full ham. As was mentioned, yeah. he's just like, you have to understand the games that I play. And yeah. The other two are like, all right. Yeah, it's great because both of them are, they're not really playing, you know, straight men here. They're not, they're not dialing it down, but it's Jack Palance at full resonance. And so, oh he, yeah, he cuts you. They're just talking. like, can't we? Can't we kill these guys? It would be easy. Easy is how you make an omelet. And you're like, what are you talking about? So it turns out that he runs like all the drugs in all of Los Angeles, does Jack Palance's character, Perrette. Um, it, and so he, the constant thorns in my side are these two cops. And he's like, we need a plan. Tango and cash. We, cash and tango. We got to take them off the table. And and his plan is he's going to get the two of them locked up. He's going to frame them for a murder get him locked up and he does the whole thing despite this is my favorite fucking part of the movie is remember the mice oh yeah like he's talking to his two lieutenants which are uh Quan and lopez are the name and we know that tango and cash know them and he's sort of the kingpin behind the scenes is uh perrette yes but like he gets two like rats out and is like and this is tango and this is cash yeah. And, and then he just keep, puts him away in a box again? Yeah, you keep expecting he's going to squish him or throw him at the wall or something like that, you know, to really show that he's an evil, you know, villain. But instead he just puts him away. And I, yes, he gets him out later in, in a follow-up scene, but I kept expecting, or kept hoping that that was it. That he'd just pull out the mice and be like, this is Tango, this is Cash, I'm putting him away, they're done. <laughs> That's it. I just happen to have these two mice. Anyway, I made my points. But he, mostly he just thinks the mice are pretty. Like, he likes mice, and he has a big, expensive maze for his mice. Oh, yeah, because he's like, oh, the whole thing is, we can't kill them. They're already heroes. That'll make them martyrs. We gotta put them in a maze, take them out of the picture for a while. And you're <laughs> like, okay? <laughs> sure? Yeah, it's weird, because his plan is to put them in prison for a while, so that they'll be out of the way while he does some sort of super important major big deal drug plan. But then as soon as they're in prison, he shows up to kill them. It's so God. Uh, <laughs> all right, whatever. We got to get through it, though. Yeah. So his whole plan is the assassin that went after Kurt Russell will tell Cash that there's 
you know, a big meeting going down and that's the person who hired him is going to be there. And then uh, Tango just gets his captain comes in and is like, hey, you got to go over to this place. We had a phone tap that told us something was going down here. Mm -hmm. And so that's how they get both of them to go to the same place. But, oh, it's a setup. There's a a dead FBI guy there and, and they get framed for the murder of him because they're supposed to be dirty now. Oh, and also they immediately don't like each other. They've heard of each other. They're like, uh, you know, Stallone has to be like, I've heard you're the number two cop in Los Angeles. Oh, that's funny. I've heard the same thing oh, about you. Oh, that's strange. I've heard the same about you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see we've established our relationship. Pretty soon, let's uh, talk about comparing our dick sizes. For way too long. <laughs> for, for an incredible amount of time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they get set up, and there are so many people that are in on this setup. Oh, yeah. That, like, it's like half the force. We get, we get like two different FBI agents, at least. Mm -hmm. The one who was in charge of the investigation, and at least one more who was part of it. Yeah. And then we get... The sound experts. Uh, yeah, a crooked and... sound engineer played by Michael Jeter. I was very excited to see him. Oh, yeah. We get, uh, what was the, Roy Brocksmith as one of the crooked a agents. Yeah, he's he plays one of the two. Uh, and that's another character where, like, that's a character actor you probably know, but don't know you know. Oh, if you'd see him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I know him from everything. You know. For me, I immediately went, oh, Total Recall, but yeah. he's in a lot of stuff. Total Recall, I think, is the one that most people hit um, for, for this character, but it was, uh, or this actor. It, it, but it's awesome to see him anyway. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got Michael Jeter, uh, who, for me, first and foremost, is one of the the Mr. Noodles on, on Elmo's World on Sesame Street. Yes. <laughs> immediately, I was like, what is Mr. Noodle doing here? <laughs> Well, that's, first of all, that's Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle. The original Mr. Noodle, <laughs> if, if you want to find the original Mr. Noodle, you just watch Legion. Mr. Noodle is my dad, please. <laughs> original Mr. Noodle is uh, one half of the carries on Legion. Duh. <laughs> the, you know, the older dude one. So, uh, <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah, they get they get set up by just everybody. And to the two of them are like, yeah, we're obviously being set up. There's nothing we can do about it. We're being railroaded. We'll figure it out, clear our names eventually. Uh, but they accept a rather than fighting for their innocence, they just accept a plea deal. Oh yeah, because they're like, oh, there's no way we can get around this. There's too many people involved in this setup. Like all of this evidence, because like a tape gets played that has them essentially just talking about like, oh yeah, do you have the drugs? We're gonna kill you now. Yeah. And they're like, oh okay, so we are literally like fake evidence set up. Yeah. Yes, I'm Michael Jeter and I can confirm that I have that tape and that I used an oscilloscope. <laughs> I used an oscilloscope to, to compare <laughs> the whole time I was going, "Oscilloscopes don't do that." <laughs> but whatever. My oscilloscope said these voices are exactly the same. I what? checked uh, for my accuracy on a lava lamp. <laughs> I also used a uh, computer mouse to determine the two voices are the same voice. <laughs> well, you're the expert. Indeed I am. And they get, oh, the whole thing is they're supposed to get sent to, like, minimum security federal resort prison for hero cops. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're going to go to the minimum security place where, you know, there's a gym and a golf course or whatever. And we can just hang out and it's not going to be a problem. But, oh, no, they get sent to federal ass-kicking prison. Uh, yeah, they get sent to the worst prison ever. 
why I sent half of these guys here. Yeah, and that's the whole idea, is that they just get put into a prison where they sent all the inmates, and they'll get murdered there. And we just get, this is where we get the way too long of dick stu- stuff sequence. Yeah, they when they show up, they're like, oh, well, you know, you gotta, I guess, go through a shower together for some reason. And <laughs> they're just having a conversation in there of course, where Kurt Russell's like, oh, I, I got to try and figure out who framed us. I bet it was Lopez who did it. But for about a good minute to two minutes of this conversation is them just being like, hey there, Pee Wee, what's you, what, your dick is whatever, ah, tripod. <laughs> yeah, whatever you Penises. say that, Minnie Mouse. It's just <laughs> just back and forth, just all these dick talks. And there's even a part where Kurt Russell drops below the line of visibility and comes back up. And he's like, "Hey, I dropped the soap. He's like, Whoa, don't don't flatter yourself there. <laughs> it just goes on for so long. And then, yeah, they get walked through the, the prison, which is on fire. Like, I love that. That's the best. Like people are throwing stuff and there's like fire set. I'm just going, you know, even if they paid off like the entire prison. To be like, oh yeah, every single guard here we paid to be like, yeah, let these two die. Why would they allow there to be fires set? Like, there's an entire prison cell that is just fire at some point. Yeah, they just, they're walking through what, what's, it's supposed to look like Escape from LA or something. Just endless fire in every direction. And just garbage cans full of fire and burning newspaper. And obviously, even the couple of criminals that we've already seen are also here. So we get to see Robert Zadar right away again. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, they go into separate cells and Cash gets to hang out with a big black guy. Who won't let him use the bathroom. Yeah. And (laughs) Tango gets to hang out with with some heavy business. Oh, it's old Clint Howard. Our good pal Clint E. Howard is here. Clint Howard shows up with, with some slinky business. Yeah, he's got a slinky, and he's clearly aware of who Tango is, and he's like, I'm not scared of you. I, oh, I killed a guy. I killed a, I killed my best friend. They say if you kill your best friend, it means you're the most crazy. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm talking to you. And <laughs> he's just doing oh, business. Yeah. Well, I... I mean, at least I understand if you're in a prison like we just saw where apparently everyone's allowed to just make fires and everyone's a giant muscle monster and you're Clint Howard, you got to be like, oh, I need a thing that makes me seem crazy. Uh, Yeah. So my thing is a slinky. I just continually use a slinky. Everyone's going to think I'm nuts and maybe no one will mess with me. Yeah. And he does indeed try to mess with Tango, who is just trying to read the stock reports in a newspaper. Oh, what do you know? Sugar's up. (laughs) I gotta call my broker. And then, you know, it's just that kind of shit until the two of them get uh, short or or, uh, sheeted and dragged out in the middle of the night by a bunch of cops. What am I saying? Criminals who drag them down into the laundry room where they are going to torture them and murder them. And also, just for fun, I guess Jack Palance and his his main man, Breon James, are going to show up to, to be part of this. Yeah. Oh, God. Like Very Batman. I, un- I understand the idea of like, oh, we're going to like bribe whoever to get them into a prison and put them in gen pop so that like all of these guys that they had put here will kill them. Like, okay, that way at least you don't make them martyrs against you. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, we we smeared their name and then they died in prison. Okay, good idea. 
But the idea that, like, ah, yes, I'm the hidden behind-the-scenes super guy that nobody knows about, it's time for me to show up to some prison torture. And you're like, why? I mean, in his defense, you'd he think is... You'd just be like, hey, hey, guy, here's a shiv, stab this dude. Yeah. I mean, in, in Palance's defense, he is very good at standing in face-obscuring shadows. Like, he oh, has... Oh, yeah, well, that you is have a, to. That's a skill he has mastered. Huh? I'm almost a little disappointed that he didn't show up with the mice for this scene. He'd be like, ah, you're Tango. Ah. I've got a mice mouse named after you. Here he is. This one's Tango, and this one's Cash. And they just puts him in the box. so cute. <laughs> I always bring my mice. I thought you'd like to meet uh, some mice. <laughs> It's my number one, a mouse. <laughs> uh, but we also, at this point, get to really meet Breon James, another awesome character actor, as his primary enforcer, doing... I, I don't know if Breon James is American or what. He's American in every other thing I've ever seen him in, but here, he is an awful British accent. Oh, no. He was born in California, but they decided to be like, hey, we want you to be uh, British. And not just any British, we want you to be Pure limey, I what? Yeah, so he's supposed to be like a Cockney British assassin named Rakim, and it is a mixed performance. It is, uh, it's definitely something to watch. It honestly just adds to the whole over-the-top spectacle of this to be like, yeah, we decided this guy would be British for literally no it reason. Doesn't. It has no bearing on anything, but we just decided. It doesn't help, and he's terrible at it. We'll just go ahead and put that out there. His British accent's about as good as my British accent. Oh, yeah. It's basically, I feel like he showed up to set and was like, hey, I've been working on my British accent. You mind if I make this guy British? And the people in charge of it were like, I could not give less of a fuck. It does not matter if your character is British. Read the lines the same way you would and just put governor in them now instead of uh, fucker. Okay, does that work for you? <laughs> yeah, just anytime you want, I throw in some sort of British slang, I guess, and we'll be fine. I don't care. Have you read this script? How much coke do you, when when they when he gets his first line of the movie and he's like pip pip governor cheerio I'm going to slit your throat I is and they were like um, yeah fuck yeah wrote cut print we did it yeah, that's no, it I'm, we, I'm into it <laughs> that's what British people talk like right <laughs> <laughs> James James come here uh, I gotta tell you that was fucking amazing we're doing this I love everything about it hey can everyone do British now <laughs> you know what the whole movie's set in Britain we're changing everything. You know what? It's a period piece now. Tango and Cash, 1895. We're calling it Lord Tango and Sir Cash. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, they get messed up by prisoners until the one non-crooked, like, not the warden, but like the vice warden of the prison shows up and is like, hey, now you get those guys down. And, you know, even though I'm second in charge of this entire prison i have no way to make it so you're not in general population or at the prison you should be because apparently i can't use a phone to call anyone yeah that was the thing that was really really driving me nuts was that he didn't just go like like oh okay i will call your precinct and let them know you're in here yeah just be like oh i'm gonna go ahead and call up and let them know that there was a mistake here and that you shouldn't be here no he was like okay the only thing we can do because i have no other power is I can show you how to escape. Yeah, I'm setting you up on a daring escape. And I, I'm surprised neither of them was just like, or you could call our captain because we're not supposed to be in this prison and it would be very quick if he if he uh, asked for a transfer to the right prison. Like, yeah, it would happen just, in the, it, know, within the hour. 
it'd be almost like literally because it wouldn't take that. He'd just call us and be like, you're not, they're not supposed to be in there. Uh, put them in one of your cars and take them to the right prison. It'd be very, very fast. And he's like, that's impossible. It'd be so fast. We have to, we got to, we, we got to escape through a big fan. I'm going to stop one of the fans and you got to go through there and a little water air tunnel. And you have to break a concrete brick to get into the tunnel and you're like what why don't you okay whatever and you got sure buddy you gotta slide down these big power lines that are constantly making huge sparks every you gotta do every single one of these horrible things it's gonna be like the rock or you, <laughs> you could you could make one phone call nap can't do it and notably uh, tango's not into it he's like no fuck you buddy i don't i'm not escaping that's stupid as hell he's like i don't trust you this is clearly a trap that we're going to go through this escape tunnel, and on the other end, some dudes will murder us. No. Yeah. <laughs> but Cash is like, hell yeah, I'm not getting murdered in, in here. I'm going to escape. I trust this guy. He was in my he was a CEO. unit or something. Yeah, he was his... Oh, his CEO. He was a CEO for a number of years. Um, But then that guy just immediately gets killed, and it turns out that the leader of the kill these people in this prison task force is... uh. Yeah, Robert Zadar. So now Robert yep. now Robert Zadar gets to have his uh his big moment in the sun chasing Tango around and being like, Tango Uh so they take a different exit mm-hmm. out of the prison that uh Tango had originally seen on the plans and was like, Why don't we just do this? And he's like, Nope, you gotta go the other way. So they go that way, and uh Cash manages to get out mm-hmm. like using a Belt to slide down a power line uh, across the walls. Oh, their escape but... is amazing. There's a point where they have to escape through one of those big fans from the Wonka factory. I mean, it... oh yeah, they gotta like work their way through power for the prison where it's got like exposed electric wires, and there's just enough space for them to walk sideways through. Mm-hmm. They're just constantly getting shocked in this movie. But yeah, they. <laughs> And then they have to they have to jump like fifty feet off of a prison roof onto a exposed power line that's sparking constantly in the rain, and then slide down it into a pine tree. Yes, um. and uh, <laughs> Cash makes it, but of course Tango has to have his final confrontation with Zadar and uh, manages to push him into the aforementioned exposed power lines that they had to get through. And ah, good, he gets killed and. They both get out of prison and go their separate ways? Uh, yes, yeah, because they can't be seen together. It wouldn't be safe. I do appreciate that when Zadar dies, he has exactly enough mental faculty left to yell, Jango! <laughs> oh, yeah, obvious. I mean, when I die, I hope I have that level of presence of mind to yell Tango. Is that your plan? Is that your uh, your last yeah. word is going to be Tango? Oh, obviously. I think that's necessary now. Yeah, you're not. You're you're definitely not wrong in saying so. Um, so. I just want someone to be like, "What does it mean? Is this like his rosebud? Why did he underline penguins in this book over and over again? And also Tango. <laughs> uh, okay. But yes, they the, yeah. now have to go do their own separate investigations on what happened to set them up. But there is a connection. If you need to find Tango again. You go to this one nightclub and you ask for Catherine. Yeah, you go to the Cleopatra Club and ask for Catherine, and and that's how you'll get a hold of me, Cash. I'm Tango. Mm-hmm. And you're Cash. So each of them goes off to do their own part of the invest, like to shake down people who betrayed them and get information as to who the big bad is. So, uh, 
Cash heads off to investigate uh, Michael Jeter and basically just bullies a nerd. Yeah, and, and Tango decides to go after the crooked uh, FBI agent that set them up. Yeah, uh, T- Tango doesn't get as much. He finds out that, yes, they were set up, that it was obviously a setup. He got The guy made a lot of money, but the guy tries to escape and blows himself up in a car bomb. Yeah, because he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. They want to kill me now, too. But he tries to get away from Tango, but his car was rigged to blow. Yeah. But uh, Cash gets fucking everything. He's just like, hey, nerd, uh, I know you fucking set us up. You big nerd, where's my goddamn money? Tell me everything or I will shoot your stereo equipment. And in the meantime, I will shoot your stereo equipment. Um, (laughs) I did like when he was like, oh, I bet you got paid a lot. Maybe you can get some uh, better equipment that isn't so broken down. What do you mean? This is state of the art. Shoots the equipment. No, it isn't. Yeah. So at this point, ah, do you get it? Everything's <laughs> a joke and a setup. Everything. Everything in this movie is a setup. But at this point, uh, Cash has to head to the Cleopatra Club to try and find Tango. And oh, my God, the Cleopatra Club. The Cleopatra Club seems when you're first walking in with the cover price and the general red light velvet vibe of it that you're like, oh, this is this is like a strip club. Right. It's a five dollar cover but- in the 80s. That's like three thousand dollars. <laughs> And we get into there, and but then you see that it's like a huge stage that is like ringed by a bar and then everything else is seating facing towards it. So you're like, okay, I guess this is more performance, but the person on stage is ending whatever their it's an Elvis thing piece. was. They're doing a they're doing a sort of Elvis routine where there's a guy Elvis and some woman he's singing to and she's dancing. So they're doing a, a it's it's basically... But it's like the last one second of it, because yeah. the second we see them, he just gets on a motorcycle with the girl and drives up stage. Yeah, so right away we know exactly what the... First of all, I gotta say, the bar looks like a bar from Mario Brothers. The, like, the color scheme... Which is great. The number of dudes with, with... The giant dudes in the bar with ponytails is really selling the whole Mario vibe to me. But um, <laughs> it's, it's a standard 80s strip bar in a movie where no one actually strips. Instead... They they do exotic dances for a long time and then go away without having actually... It's Flashdance Bar. Yeah, I love the the 80s bar. It was like, we're here to see hot babes, but not hot babes get naked. We want to see them do things like dance or play the drums or, I, can't, I don't know, I can't do interpretive the... macrame. So, so poor... Kurt Russell wandering around this bar asking for Catherine, and every single person's like, I don't know no Catherine. That's a stupid name. There's a thousand women in here named Catherine. What's wrong with you? And that's when Terry Hatcher comes out on stage, because she's obviously Catherine, and she's doing a routine where she kind of strips. Like, she starts in a dress and ends up in a bikini top and pants. Uh, Oh, she just gets a new jazzercise outfit. Yeah. That's about it. But halfway through the routine, she walks over to a bartender, and it's the bartender's job to give her some drumsticks in the middle of her set so she can walk over to a set of hexagon drum machine pads and play drums in her jazzercise outfit on stage. Yeah. She's just like drumming. Who's, who is paying for this? First of all, who's like, oh man, have you heard about the Cleopatra club? They got a lady there who doesn't really get naked and then sort of plays the drums to a song that isn't her own and dances a little, but not really. Yeah. She kind of just like, like, Oh, Okay. She drums the way a karaoke singer sings. Like, yeah, she's singing, but the song already has drums in it, and you can also hear the drums the song had in it. it it's it's a really 
it's a very avant-garde choice, and I'm so I gotta go see it. And John, I gotta tell you, I know we're in the middle of COVID and everything, and it's been so long since I've been to a good strip drum performance. And the, it really made right? me hungry to go see some good old-fashioned strip drumming. If I could just go to some good old-fashioned strip drumming, it would make my year. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm at. Like maybe by late summer, August, maybe when we go to Gen Con, we can we can make our way out to some good old-fashioned, just classic strip drumming, and and just see it, get a chance to see that. Oh, I mean, at least it sort of makes sense. Uh, Stallone's protectiveness of her now, when he's like, "You probably shouldn't just." go off with some group and perform without letting me know where you are, given that what she is performing is doing a strip drumming tour? I mean, I can't imagine the people who are like, yes, come with me and strip drum for us on the road. Like, that's not the kind of people you want to just let have free reign. I mean, okay, so she's kind of doing a little bit of a teasy dance, and then she stops in the middle of the performance to do a different talent show style performance. So the only thing this is really missing is for her to be kind of a little more gothy and also for the club to be a little darker, and then it would just be burlesque. Ah. Because that's pretty much what it is, right? Like, she comes out, she takes off some clothes, but not all of her clothes, and then halfway through taking off her clothes, she's like, oh, and also I can juggle or whatever. So that's pretty much what burlesque is. <laughs> it's it's a talent show, and also you show, like, most of your boob. Good. Yeah. So I'm going to get a bunch of angry emails from burlesque people now. Yes. And they're going to be like, no, it's not that. It's a whole complex performance where we do all. And I'll be like, I know. I know it is. I know it really. It's really hard. And I could never do it. I get it. I, I get, get it. It's a complex performance where you get naked and juggle. I understand. <laughs> and sometimes if you can't juggle, you play big flat drums. <laughs> anyway, she's Catherine. But Ugh. the reason that the whole ask for Catherine thing doesn't work is because everyone in this bar calls her Kiki. That's right. She's Kiki. And she finds Cash and is like, oh, come with me. I've seen your picture in the paper. And, you know, Tango has told me about you. And you must be the person who's on the run. And apparently my I'll brother help you out. Apparently Tango gave me re gave you really bad advice by telling you uh, or telling you to ask for me by my real name in this club where I do not go by it. <laughs> I mean, I have to assume that he has never shown up at this club. I'm going to yeah. assume that Ray Tango has literally no idea what Catherine does. He's just like an old 80s man. He's just like, hey, look, this is the deal. You go into that bar, you ask to speak to the manager. When you meet the manager, you give him a firm handshake, and you look him in the eye, and you say, I would like to speak to Catherine, and he will respect you. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple days later, be sure to call back and ask about Catherine again. They'll respect your tenacity. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Catherine takes him back into the changing room where there's a bunch of topless women because this movie works in topless women in the margins wherever it can. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, throughout this film, pictures of topless women on like the prison walls mm -hmm. or just sort of in the background of places. Yeah, during the uh, so, during the vehicular know. destruction scene that's uh, our introduction to Cash, a naked woman looks up from the back of a car and then ducks back down into the car again. Yeah. It's just like, nudity? Nudity. <laughs> and we get to see... The, just a slide whistle of titties. And we get to see the dancer who played Elvis on stage for a split second earlier. And it's Shabadoo! Shabadoo? El this movie? <laughs> it's everybody. Every single person. Shabadoo is one of the two guys in, in uh, Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. Alfon Aldolfo Quinones. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Everything's amazing about this movie. <laughs> 
And uh, we get a whole thing where he's he's like, well, I can't go out through the front and I can't sneak out through the back. Oh, because, um, by the way, crooked cops are in there looking. For- I mean, even just regular cops, they are on the run. Yeah, that's right. So so uh, he has to sneak out somehow. And that's when we finally get to the cross-dressing scene. Yeah, because, you know, he sees the uh, Shabadoo in his like full leather biker outfit and is like, ooh, what size do you wear? And so we think, oh, he's going to wear like a motorcycle helmet so it'll hide his face. But then they they go up to the person wearing the leather and motorcycle helmet and it's Terry Hatcher. Yeah. And she's oh, gonna- <laughs> and then Cash comes out in, in full dress. I think my favorite part wig. of Terry Hatcher coming out on the motorcycle helmet is she's got the helmet down. She's getting on the bike and they're like, hey, hold on a second. Hold on. We got to talk to you. And then she reveals her face in there. Also, she has a lit cigarette, and I'm like, well, "What's up with the lit cigarette? What? Aren't you? Are, don't you have a face helmet on, and you're about to get on a a motorcycle? What were you going to do with that? Smoke it for a second. Yeah, smoke it for a split second. But then, yeah, we get well. It's it's there so that we can flick it at the pervert cop. That's right. That's exactly why it's there because that's when we get to the scene we described earlier. Yeah. After the cop is like, hey, you ladies down for a threesome, they get to flip him off and both flick their lit cigarettes at him. Mm-hmm. And then they drive away. And Kurt Russell even is like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, look right at my face. Wink. I'm Kurt Russell. Wink. And the whole time they're just like, oh, that was a couple of broads. Those were two very cute ladies. Eh, dykes on bikes. Am I right, Captain? <laughs> yeah. And they take, or uh, Terry Hatcher takes, sorry, Kiki takes t- a cash back to her place and gives him a massage yeah but tango shows up and he can only see the top half of Catherine, so it looks and sounds like she's having sexual relations with him Yeah, because he, he's got a slipped disc and she's trying to slip it back in so there's all these innuendos where where he's like he's like uh, uh, it's almost it's almost in. back in. <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel it going inside. Oh, harder. Push harder. I could do this all night. That feels good when you push it hard like that to get it back inside. <laughs> Your my penis is going into you. Oh wait, I'm sorry. That was <laughs> <laughs> Your vagina is very nice. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, that's that's my way of describing back massages. I apologize. <laughs> it's just my way. I'm uh Albanian, and that's Albanian for backmas. Now, uh, yeah. but yeah, we get now we finally learn the big truth reveal. Terry Hatcher isn't Tango's girlfriend; she's his sister. He's just weirdly misogynistically protective of his sister, and that, of course, will from this point forward be eighty percent of Tango and Cash's interactions will be the two of them being like. Hey, don't fuck my sister. I want to fuck your sister. Did you fuck my sister? You fuck my sister? I'm not telling. Yeah, because they never just go like, I was just giving him a back massage. Instead, they're just like, up yours, Tango. You are not privy to that information. Oh, you fuck my sister? Well, what I do is my business. Yeah. Your your, your uh, sister is very free as a person. Oh, you fuck <laughs> my sister, didn't you? You fuck my sister. It's just that for the rest of the movie. Until, <laughs> you fuck my wife? Until the fucking end of the movie where <laughs> Cash is like, hey, I'm going to fuck your sister. And he's like, yeah, you are, buddy. Fuck yeah, you are. Handshake, bro. <laughs> That's the man who's going to uh, fuck my sister. Uh, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I love that at this point, uh, Tango's captain shows up and is like, hey, you've got, for some reason, 24 hours to find out who... 
uh, framed you or else something? <laughs> yeah, like, or else he's got to come back and arrest them. That's as long as he can delay arresting them is 24 hours. And I love that they're, first of all, they ta- they tackle the captain because they think he's a murderer. And he's just like, God damn it, get off me. And then the two of them start up with that you fuck my sister shit, and he eventually just gets tired of it. At about the same speed the movie do, uh, the movie watchers do, he finally just goes, ah, fucking shut up about this. Look, you got 24 hours. Look, I gotta give you the whole thing here. 24 hours, or else... I guess cops will still be looking for you. Nothing changes, but I had to give you a time limit because, you know, it's an action movie and that's what we do. Well, if you didn't give them a time limit, they just stand in that yard for the next three days talking about sister fucking. That's that's all. It's (laughs) just him throwing motivation to them to go, like, leave that house and go do shit. (laughs) Please stop this. They're like, uh, we won't. We'll just do it elsewhere. Okay, we can take this show on the road. I fucked your sister. Did you fuck my sister? I fucked your sister. (laughs) Uh, So they managed to threaten uh rakeen with blowing him up and they do the bad cop worst cop routine oldest trick in the book (laughs) we did bad cop crazy cop yeah uh and so he but they reveals everything they find out (laughs) perrette exists and they're like let's go get him but perrette's like hideout is in the middle of what I can only describe as a demolition like, derby con- maze. A de- yeah. Demolition derby maze. That is also currently under construction as well. Yeah. Effectively. He lives in a giant construction warehouse that is also a twisted metal stage. Yeah. He lives <laughs> in a place where like, Oh, you guys showed up in a super prototype ultra badass like Batman car. Yeah, because one of them's got but... a fucking guy who makes him funny technology, and it's the poor one. It's it's Cash. It, it, Cash is just like, oh yeah, I know this guy, and he's just constantly making me uh, super guns and crazy like technology and shit. Yeah, I know Michael J. Pollard. Oh yeah, <laughs> who who is playing Owen? Who is just the like tinkerer for my police department, and he has come up with a bullet proof suv with chain guns on the side and like super computers inside of it and we're gonna take this and we're gonna go after him so now we've got like an suv with chain guns on the side we are gonna be fought by dudes in monster trucks motorcycles and construction equipment we are just in a twisted metal video my favorite thing about that part is that okay first of all owen Michael J. Pollard, who, by the way, yet another one of those that guy characters. Um, uh-huh. I remembered him, I think, from Scrooged is the only thing I, I could put my, fa- my his face to. I mean, God, he has been in so much shit. But yes, yeah, Scrooge. Yeah. Um, so he he works out of like a gym. So he works. In, he's like a weird tech genius, criminal sort of supply side weapon dealer man who works out of a gym. But he has spent the past couple of weeks making a super police car. Oh, yeah. Well, he works for the police. (laughs) He's the police's very own R&D guy. You know how the police have a super secret R&D level where they come up with magical gadgets. And it's also the gym. (laughs) But they're like, great, this is perfect. We can drive right to this guy's place and take him out. And I'm like, don't you need something inconspicuous? Oh, no, we'll just drive there in the coolest police truck ever made. It's got a chain gun on one side. No one will notice us. (laughs) Uh. And I, I just love that the entire thing, once they get to Perrette's hideout, 
it just, it feels like it is both bored of what's going on and yet trying its hardest to be action-packed because it's just explosions and car chases and gunfights and shooting things and jumping off ramps for like a good 10 minutes solid. But the whole time, the two of them are just like, you fuck my sister? Yeah. Like, they don't care. They, they're they fully aware that all of the good parts of this movie already happened. Even though we are literally watching a twisted metal scene where everyone's blowing everyone up and there's a whole bunch of, like, missile-launching police cars and shit everywhere. Uh, and it's, it's just fucking crazy. Uh, our main characters are both like, yeah, I'm pretty much done with this. I think we, we said yeah. everything we needed to. Neither of them give a shit. They're, like, still quipping, but it just feels half-hearted at this point. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, well, you know, now, you got a small dick or whatever. <laughs> you all got the basic plan, right? Yeah, uh, you got a small dick. I, I fucked your sister. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what this is. It, the movie, it's amazing because the movie just keeps building and building. Like, literally, they're in a demolition. There are 50 cars with, with missile launchers chasing them and getting blown up in crazy super fires. They have a nitrous booster on their truck that lets it fucking jump. And they are using the jump to to jump over other cars and shit. And the two of them are just sitting in the car like, I fucked your sister. Did you fuck my sister? And they don't fucking care. And and then when they get into the building, they've got giant cartoon missile or, or uh, machine guns that they use to murder James Hong and uh, uh, Mark Alimo. Just immediately. And they don't fucking... No fanfare. And they, again, These guys have been the lieutenants the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, hey, these guys, they're dead now. No one fucking cares. It's amazing. The most amazing thing to me, this entire time they've been like, well, we need to clear our name. We need to get the guy who did this. And they murder everyone who knows what happened. Like, all they have is Michael Jeter, like, with a tape of someone calling him, telling him to make a recording of them sounding like they were going to kill a guy. Mm -hmm. And sure, that's probably enough to get them a new trial. But, like... All of the witnesses and people that you would need to, like, show up are dead because they kill all of them in this final scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And instead, they just the end of the movie is just a shot of a uh, newspaper where it's just like, uh, like, yeah, hero cops re uh, are heroes again. Like the end of this, of course, Terry Hatcher has to have been taken prisoner by Perrette. Mm -hmm. uh, by Breon James, who survived the bad cop, worst cop, and shows up just yep. to get shot down again right away and he gets a grenade in the pants does Breon james mm -hmm. uh but we get jack palance monologuing while holding a gun to terry hatcher and standing in a hall of mirrors and i was like this is it this is the point this is the point for me where like in the movie cats and i just started laughing uncontrollably uh, yeah <laughs> this is the point where i was like oh Oh, this movie knows exactly what's going on, doesn't it? It's it's trying to be like this. Yeah. Because we have Jack Palance monologuing about, I don't know, traps and the nature of man or whatever bullshit villains do. He probably says cry havoc. But like, Tango and Cash are just standing there back and forth talking to each other, not paying attention to him at all. Yeah, and let, let make, let's make sure everyone knows that it happens in a hall of mirrors. That this guy has a hall of mirrors in his house. He just already had it set up. Like, this isn't, oh, we chased him to a funhouse carnival. There is a sliding wall 
in his office that leads to a house of mirrors. <laughs> and they both just shoot him in the head. And like again, they only stop quipping long enough to shoot him in the head and then congratulate themselves for being good at noticing details. Well, I mean, they're talking to each other and ignoring him, and they're like, oh, I know which one it is. Ooh, I also know which one is the real one. Oh, we should shoot him in the knees. Yes, let's kneecap him so that we can take him in alive. And then both of them shoot him in the head. And I'm like, you're so dumb. You needed him alive. What are you doing? It's cool. Don't worry about it. If you kill enough people, you get a hero cop. I mean, at this point, I'm like, you guys are off of the force because you got sent to jail, which means you just showed up somewhere and... You don't even have a badge to hide behind. You're like, oh, yeah, we showed up and just murdered dozens of people and destroyed a shitload of property. But I'll tell you what, we definitely didn't get any more evidence out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they both shoot him right in the head. And they're, and they're like, oh, I noticed that his ring had text on it that was backwards in all the other images. But the right way in this oh, one. No, it's, it was his monogram was backwards in the reflections mm -hmm. and his ring was on the wrong hand in the reflections for right. the other one. Boy, we sure are good cops. Yeah, we are. We are very good cops. I fucked your sister. <laughs> Let's take my sister outside so we can talk about how you're not allowed to fuck her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. He, he takes uh they go outside and they're standing there with Terry Hatcher and <laughs> Cash is like, by the way, I'm going to date your sister. Hell yeah, you are. no. Even at that point, Tango's like, over my dead body. And he's like, well, I think that's fine with both of us. <laughs> and then the movie's just over. They killed everybody. And the movie, the movie ends on a freeze frame high five hand grab uh -huh. that then turns into a picture of them doing the same thing, but hero cops restored as heroes. And I'm like... God damn, you hit every single one of these beats. Yeah, they really Fuck. they really didn't miss a trick. They knew every possible note to hit. It is amazing to me. Yeah. This is, to the buddy cop movie, what I feel Night of the Creeps is to horror movies, where it's just so aware of everything, and it does it passionately and lovingly, but also fully aware of how stupid it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's mind-bending. I, I mean, ultimately, I didn't... The movie starts to peter out towards the end. Like, you can tell that, like, I was starting to get bored, even though the characters are running around with cartoon machine guns, eliminating all the bad guys. But uh, Yeah, by the time it gets to that, I'm bored, and so are they. Yeah, uh, it, It's hilarious, because they're like, oh, yeah, we're just... We're done, we're bored with it, this has been too long. But it, it still was an amazing ride right up until that point. But, it's, uh. you know, ultimately, it's still one of those movies that's about... You know, two cops who get to murder whoever they want. And the, the yes. only thing they won't do is call other cops. <laughs> Very funny uh, shit. It's great. So uh, let's go ahead and do our bests and worst then. Jeff, what was your favorite moment in this movie? Um, Single moment in the movie. I think I might have to go with the cross-dress scene. It's, it's, it's a good diversion. It does not do it as um, mean-spirited as I was expecting it would do it. Mm -hmm. And it's... Uh, it it ends in a very like safe and not horrible way where the where the dumb cop gets comeuppance and that's all it is. So I was yeah. expecting it to be much worse than it was and it was fine. So I, I think by uh, by betraying my expectations and not being terrible, that was the one. Great. What about you? It's really difficult to narrow it down, but 
I feel like I gotta go with Jack Palance and the rats the first time we see him, where he's just like, this is Tango, mm. and this is Cash. Yeah. And then he kind of, like, nuzzles them to his face and puts them back in a box. Mm-hmm. I really, like I was saying, it would have been way better if that was the end of it. He was like, this is Tango. This is Cash. I'm putting him away now. You'll never see him again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I did that. (laughs) I just needed visual aids. But the fact that he does that scene and then like puts him in the maze, and then later on in the movie, we come back to him, and he is just nuzzling the two rats again. You're like, oh, he just really loves these rats. Well, yeah, because we didn't even mention it, but during the Destruction Derby scene, because we're pretty much ready to be done by that point in the movie, we do constantly cut to Jack Palance, who's standing there holding the rats, but mostly just going, yeah, yeah, get them, blow them up, blow up Tango and Cash, yeah. <laughs> Uh, The fact that he is so affectionate to these rats and that has nothing to do with anything, I absolutely love. The rats are never in danger. I kept expecting the rats to be destroyed at some point to make like some kind of evil point. It never happened. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, oh, okay. So at first you get them and you put them in the maze because you're like, this is my plan. But when they get out and they're like, now we need to kill them. I thought like, oh, you're going to kill the rats now. No, he just really loves those rats. Those are his pets and he loves them. Yeah, they're just his good pet rats. He just loves rats. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, all right. Worst thing. Worst yeah. scene in the film. Uh, is, this is tricky because there's there's not really that much in this movie that, that isn't gloriously stupid. Like, it's pretty much the same oh, yeah. level. Everything's over the top. Yeah, I would say it's probably the scene where they, uh, where they like, uh, eliminate the two lieutenants when they take out Hong and Lopez. Because, I mean, those are cool actors. I wanted more from them than them just being like, oh, no, it's Tango and Cash. They got in here. Ah, we are dead. Ah, shot. So I was kind of hoping that that could be a little cooler. Uh, and that's probably, and that's the the worst this movie gets. Uh, I mean, granted, it probably gets worse in the stunning amount of just cop murder that gets rewarded. But, you know, it's 1989. You got to take the punches as they come. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's sad that my least favorite scene in this is probably that end demolition derby twisted metal thing because you'd think like oh shit this is gonna be an amazing super epic thing but it's just it feels so pointless and boring that you're like oh this is this is just sort of like they don't care and they're murdering people just because they're there yeah it felt like they they felt like they needed to force in an action set piece that was a bigger deal like a climactic one so they throw in this ridiculous truck battle sequence and you're just like this didn't need to be here this movie's yeah you already got me you already hooked me you don't need a battle truck yeah no it felt very perfunctory to me yeah so i don't know gilding the lily more or less All right, so now we are going to rate the movie, each of us giving it a rating from 0 to 5, which will give us a full rating out of 10. Jeff. Uh, You know, this is, I I say this from time to time about about different movies, um, that this is a perfect couch movie. Like, if you're just sitting on the couch looking for something to do, you're bored on a Saturday or whatever, and this comes on, you're probably going to watch it till it's over. Um, Because you're like, fuck, great, better than than nothing. Uh, But it's not... Is, it's like a three and a half for me. I think that's right about where it's at. Like, I don't know that I'm going to actively seek this sort of thing out again in the future. Um, I just, this this feels just about right. Three and a half. All right. You? Uh, I definitely liked it much more than that. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the kind of movie where I'm, I feel like I would specifically tell people to watch oh, this. Oh, okay. Like, I would tell people like, oh my God, you have to watch this. It is ridiculous. 
Uh, I'm going to give it a four and a half. It's not, you know, perfect by any means, but it is, that's the whole reason is it is so ludicrous and over the top in every way. And the fact that it is hacked to the gills with character act. I'm just like, it is an experience to watch this movie. And I feel like if I ever have a movie that I am certain that I will tell people you need to sit down and watch this and I am also willing to sit down and watch it with you again. All right. It's got to be a four or a book. Okay. For well, me. then what is it? Four and a half, baby. A four and a half. You know what? I don't think there you go. I, got, I got no complaints about that. I think that's that's perfect for you. Um, th- I just I eight out of eight ten. Out of ten. That's just about what I would have hoped for. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this absolute bombastic nonsense journey through Tango and Cash. Uh, if you like the show and you want to support us, of course. You can go over to patreon.com slash system mastery and join us. Any amount will help keep the show going supports us. But if you sign up at that $5 level, you can unlock TV mastery. And we are going through the littlest hobo right now. Just some, the greatest hits of Canadian seventies and early eighties TV show about a hero dog that is mind-bendingly weird. I cannot wait to talk about it again because the first, I mean, I mean granted, we're never going to stand up to the heights of the first episode because we had Alex on, uh, but I, I cannot wait to get into this next episode because I've already watched it and it is just as crazy. The show is awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. The stuff that they do to make a show about a German shepherd who helps people into the most, like, sitting there mouth open goggle-eyed going what is happening it is incredible to me what they can pull with this show yeah yeah it's and how much like incredible story they can pull out of this dog who can mostly go places on command and paw at people on command oh yeah it's it's great and you should definitely join us as we continue to Mm -hmm. go through the littlest hobo there's gonna be some more special guests in the future. We've got great stuff planned for this season. So join us, won't you, at patreon.com slash system. And until then, we'll be back in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. But you guys have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>